Get comfy. Kick your feet up because you are now rocking with the Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding. Brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Vans. Off the wall since 1960. Motherfucking six. Headshot. Keep supporting your local skate shops by heading over to vans.ca slash foot the bill. Drop that bitch. And now, live from Studio E, the bunt with Safer and Donovan. I'm D Jones. I got my main man, the ghost, with me. As always, Ants one behind the scenes. Not only killing it Saturday night, but Sunday morning as well on Instagram Live at Anthony.kwu. It's a cool thing. Still, still. Ghost, it's an action packed episode of The Bunt. Nothing new over here. What we got going on this week? It's a big week in Studio E, man. We've been trying to get the legend Cairo Foster on for quite some time now. Said he'd only do it in person. All it took was a pandemic for him to agree to do it on Zoom. You feel me? Shouts to Cairo for coming around. We had a great time. Absolute legend. Then we taking y'all straight to the post office. Popped off this week. And then of course, you know what I'm saying? The Skateboard World Source for Sports. It's the rundown, baby. Time for our shameless social media plug. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe on YouTube at The Bunt Live. And if you feel an extra nice, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the bunt. Yeah. We're doing it for the people, man. Can't wait to bless our patrons at the end of the season with some fat ass boxes. You get me. Ghost approved for the barn burner section, baby. <laughs> Time for the ghost shout out of the week. Who you got? Bro, big week. Big week. I mentioned it, I think, around the end of last season, but the Hijinx Network, Beagles Tapes are so fucking sick to go behind the scenes and it was Antoine Dixon again this week they showed us how the nollie heel board Wilshire 10 went down so incredible to watch that guy in his prime I feel like there's never been anyone quite like him it's crazy he nollie heel boards it so perfectly after security came and shit and then there's a couple there's another random session there and he rides straight in he rides for like 15 20 feet and has to jump off early because these three I don't want to call them idiots, but what they were doing was idiotic. They're standing there watching like their clip that they just got, you know, when everyone huddles around. Yeah. But they're standing in the landing. So he finally gets the nollie heel board perfect and rides straight into the master jump off and he's so cheesed. And then as he's coming back, two of the guys try to give him a high five and he puts his hand out and then puts it behind his back as he skates oh. past them. So pissed. Ultimate like boss move. And then he, of course, gets the flawless one that you see in his Baker three-part. Yeah, if you're bored, go watch that, man. That was some crazy shit. I'm going to add out a little shout-out this week. JP Blair dropped his 420 video. All the classic New York homies. It's another good watch as well, man. The classic New York homies, eh? Well, the ones that, <laughs> the ones that we see on the internet fucking with the new clip every month talking about like danny supa and 
Todd Jordan and nah, shit. Man, the classic ones of of this time, this generation, dog. Oh, okay, my bad. When you said classic, you know, what I'm saying. I'm talking the Josh Wilsons <laughs> of the world, man. Oh, oh, our boys. I, I, real shit. Oh, damn it, man. Yeah, go check that. I'm just kidding. I watched that too. That shit was fire. So you had a problem with me calling tri- them classic New York homies? It's <laughs> <laughs> feeling extra. Yeah, spicy. I was thinking. I was thinking Anthony Korea, you know what I'm saying? Fucking Zarin. Billy Rohan. It's all good. Yeah. Josh Wilson, Rizzo. That's the new classic, I guess. So like you <laughs> said, Cairo Foster in the building. Absolute legend. When we were growing up, he was in his prime, shutting shit down. Absolute special guest to have inside Studio E this week. He started shutting it down before we started skating and was shutting it down until he retired not too long ago and he's still skating every day from the sounds of it what a fucking beast i think i'm gonna need a green candle let's get juiced up for this episode you feel me <laughs> canada's premium pilsner steam whistle the only buzz the only downfall of this season is we both have to head to the fridge god damn it <laughs> Cairo Foster, welcome to season 11 of The Bunt, the COVID chronicles. It's wild times out there. How has your life changed the past couple weeks? Fuck. <laughs> the COVID chronicles. That's too good. Um, shit, I'm just hanging out in my house a ton. <laughs> I'm doing what everyone else probably should be doing. Zigzagging whenever I do go for a walk, zigzagging on the sidewalks to make sure I don't like uh, breach that six feet which is yeah. a little over two meters. <laughs> That'd be a little under two meters. But yeah, just it's, I've been working from home a lot, looking at Instagram more than usual. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have any hacks on doing anything crazier than anything else I've heard from other people. So yeah. there's that. <laughs> yeah, if you ask my girl, I'm definitely on my cell phone too much as it is. And then today, you know how you get those like weekly screen time reports? Oh, yeah. It was up like 30% this week. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, I can't. That's like five hours a day of just like sitting on the phone. Oh, that's mellow. Five's mellow. It's getting bad, man. <laughs> it's just when you combine the five hours on your phone to like how much time you spend on your computer, then you're like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> 12 hours a day screen time. Yeah. Go to bed with a headache every night. For sure. That's why I got these weird glasses on Cairo. I don't know if you can see. They've got like, Wait, are those just like eye strain? Yeah. I've had a concussion for way too long now. And I actually destroyed myself the first day of quarantine, staring at my phone and the TV all day. And I got the gnarliest headache. Like it got so much worse. And oh, so I, I took a week off screens and now I got these bad boys. You know? Dude, how was a week off a of screen? It was crazy because so much changed. It was like this past eight days, actually. And I, I came back on Instagram and I was tagged in all these stories that I couldn't see anymore. And there was all these <laughs> challenges and weird shit going on. I missed the whole wave, yo. <laughs> well, you lucked out. You didn't have to do the 10 push-ups and drink your beer while you were doing the 10 push-ups. <laughs> I, I like abstain from any of the challenges. Like I get hit up. I'm like, no, we're not going to skate inside my house. No, yeah. we're not doing any fucking push-ups. So I look like a goofball. None of yeah, that. I missed those ones. I just did the old footage one. but Yeah, the old footage one, that one's all good. That one's easy. <laughs> That's pretty dope. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite skate and sports moment, bro? Oh, shit. Sports moment? 
I, I thought about uh, probably some MMA shit because when I used to ride for Ruka, um, we watched a bunch of MMA shit and I was thinking about GSP. I was thinking about fucking, I was thinking about a f- bunch of different fighters, but any Fedor moment, like when, okay. when Fedor was in his heyday, mm-hmm. that shit was awesome. And then uh, Crow Cop too. But, and then uh, favorite skate moment was probably getting a call from Mike Carroll, whom I'd known before, but like when he called me uh, and asked me if I wanted to ride for this shoe company. I was like riding for audio at that time and he was just like, hey, you wanna ride for the shoe company and me and Rick are doing? And I was like, yeah. I didn't even ask what the name was. Like I didn't find out the name for like two months, but I was just like, dude, Rick Howard and Mike Carroll? Yeah, that's, that was my favorite skate moment for me Easy personally. answer. Yeah, I was just like, yes. I'll figure out how to talk to Jeff Taylor and audio later. Yeah, that's so sick. So before we go any further, I didn't know this until today, till you told me, but Cairo is not your real first name? Nah, it's just a, it's a nickname from, uh, from living in Egypt. So yeah. So what's your real first name for the record? <laughs> Everyone can find it on the internet. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I feel like my first real name is Cairo. Like the only person that doesn't even call me that uh, would be my mom. And so I think if anyone's... Anyone feels inspired, they can find it online. Oh, <laughs> way. That's so crazy. I mean, there's, there's definitely other people in skateboarding that I've heard, like, that uh, their last names or whatever may not be their real names, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to throw them under the... I'm not, not going to throw them out there. Wow. I was just like, whoa, really? That person too? Huh. You know, at a certain point, you, that's just, like, their identity and whatever. I feel like I've been betrayed my whole childhood, man. But now that... <laughs> Now that we know each other, you can start calling me by my real name as a nickname. But I got to find it. Yeah. I mean, the internet is, it's, it might be harder now. There's everyone on the internet right now. I wonder, maybe Slap, Slap might know. Slap, dude, Slap knows everything and a bunch of <laughs> fake ass news. <laughs> so where'd you come up and how'd you get into skating? I got into skating. So I used to have a, when I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, like as a young buck, like, I don't know, eight or nine I picked up a Nash Executioner and it just was like in the garage all the time. And we had some neighbors across the street that uh, they skated. Um, so I would like roll around once or twice, I don't know, maybe every few months. And uh, I remember going down to the Arroyas, which was, which were, uh, they're like those big ditches in Albuquerque that everyone skates. And uh, I remember rolling down, eating shit because there's like a little bit of water at the bottom of the ditch, caught like a rock or a hole or something and slid halfway up. So I put away the Nash Executioner after that for like years, cause I was traumatized. And then when I moved to Egypt, <laughs> my dad didn't let me bring a BMX bike and he let me buy a, like a real skateboard. So we went to the mall maybe like a month or two before moving to Egypt and I got a, a Gator board with some tracker ultralights, probably like some slime ball wheels and then moved to Egypt. My dad was in the military, so moved out there. Uh, it was kind of boring living there, but found some skaters, uh, got my skateboard in the mail or in the, with a shipment of all of our like furniture and stuff. And uh, the first day I got it, cruised around our neighborhood, found like five or six skaters. They were going off a jump ramp, went off the jump ramp, landed Damn. on my tailbone, couldn't skate for like two or three weeks. Oh. I ate so much shit, like rolling up the windows. <laughs> Felt like I cracked my tailbone, but because there wasn't much to do in Egypt, I just started getting into skating. So sick. Shouts to your pops, yo. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, in hindsight, I'm just like, that's one of the best things my dad ever did for me was <laughs> saying I couldn't bring a BMX bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out good. So fast forward a little bit. How did you break into the skate industry? What was your first big break? I mean, like the first r- real one, there's this guy, Jabir, that lived in Jacksonville, Florida. Like when I moved back to the States, we lived in Florida. And this dude would always like, he filmed us and he would go to this guy Jeff's house to get boards and stuff because this guy Jeff had a board company in Jacksonville. It was like way small. Anyway, Jabir like harassed Jeff so much that the dude like sponsored me and I got free boards and stuff. And at the same time, Kane Gale was living there and Kane was like, send a sponsor me tape to foundation. Clyde Singleton lived at our house for a while. Um, But like, I don't know. Back then I wasn't into doing like a sponsor me tape. I just wanted to skate and I did like a few cross country road trips to California. I took the Greyhound bus a couple times to California. And then I think going out there, well, going out there the first time with Jeff that ran that board company, I remember meeting a few people and I remember meeting Carl Watson and Carl was like asking me if I was getting boards and he was talking about, I think it was Profile was the board company he was doing. And uh, I was just like, oh, I'm good. Like I'm on Wrecked. That was the name of the skate company. <laughs> Like, dude, I just wanted to, I knew I was out there for a couple months. Like I met Brian Childers there. I met uh, Justin Strubing on that trip. But the first real break is like when I finally moved back to California to SF and really like stayed there. I think I just, I just started filming with Satva Leung. He used to ride for Toy Machine and uh, he was working for Thrasher and we started filming. And because of uh, Tom Yetta, he knew Paul Sharp. So while we were filming for Thrasher's Raw video, he reached out to Paul Sharp and got me on Supernaut, basically. Like, that's like super condensed story, but like that was like the first big real thing. Like I got on Venture and stuff, but like to me, like getting on, uh, on Supernaut and having Paul come over, that was sick. Oh, yeah. How'd you eventually get on Real? I think just being in the Bay, like going out and skating all the spots in SF, so I was on Supernaut for a couple of years. I remember uh, I kind of th- threw like a hissy fit in a way, like I was going pro and we had negotiated like how much I was gonna get paid each month. And then um, some other people got on the team and then I found out how much these pros were gonna get paid. And I was like, and how much I was gonna actually get paid once they got on the team. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, but we said I was gonna get paid this and you're gonna pay me less now because you put these other dudes like i'm stoked they're on the team but that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with how much i'm getting paid so i <laughs> i basically quit because of that i was like Damn. wait you guys aren't staying true to your word yeah and then i think i was just getting boards from random people for a little bit and then it just made sense to no well i was on i was on mad circle after that actually for six months mad circle went out of business and then i got on real fuck my memory's bad <laughs> <laughs> It was just from being in the Bay, I think, and like shooting photos with uh, Gabe Morford. Uh, there's Lance Dawes, Luke Ogden, just, I think, proximity. It, and it worked out. It worked out great, like working with those guys and Jim. Jim's got a lot of amazing ideas. So that was, an, that was a good time. A lot of your old parts, a lot of SF footage, killing it in the Bay. Um, your reel-to-reel part specifically was an absolute barn burner which I don't think gets the shine it deserves. But what was that era like filming for you? Real to real times was, it was awesome. Cause like when I look back on skating for real, 
I have these like memories like it was a really long duration that I was on real, but it really wasn't that long. So like all these memories are just put together. Like we spent so much time skating in SF. Gabe Morford was like, he was the man. Like you went to any spot and if you had a fucking excuse, he would open up the back of his Honda Accord and he'd pull out Bondo. He'd fucking chisel <laughs> out the ground and make it perfect. He'd like, oh, you're out of grip tape. He'll fu- Dude, he had everything, everything you needed, everything you didn't want basically yeah. <laughs> because you're just like oh well you know what i think maybe i'll come back i need another board he's like oh don't you ride this board and he would just pull out your shape <laughs> so i just remember like just getting after it all the time with the deluxe dudes and just being in the van i feel like the team like reels a massive team now but the mm-hmm. the team back then was it was pretty small like john minor was filming for us at one point and then uh dan wolf and it was like matt field huff nate Damien Bravo. Yeah, it wasn't like, like when I look at real now, I'm just like, how the fuck does Jim do it? Like they have so many amazing skaters and such a like diverse crew of skaters from all over the world. And it's huge. Jim's the goat man, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I feel like he eats shits, breathes skateboarding. It's awesome. I love it. 100%. He sees everything. Yeah. He is like the all seeing eye of skateboarding. If it's out there, (laughs) he's seen it. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's doing every, I feel like everything he's doing, he's doing for like the love of, of skateboarding and trying to ensure that skateboarding will be going forward no matter what for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's sick. So in that part, you heel flip the gap of absolute sin, the California street <laughs> gap. Can you take us behind the scenes on that sesh? I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. I'm just like, fuck, I'm just so stoked. I didn't smack my face into the wall. Like when I land, like you can see, I put my hand down real quick and then I'm like, I almost get wheel bite and I'm like, do not die. <laughs> Dude, I, I must have gone back there like three, four times. Damn. Cause I would just kind of like puss out every time and like try to heel flip it, run it out. And, and like, that was like, the, that's like one of my fondest memories about skating SF is it has such unique terrain. And um, because it's so hilly, you'll go to spots and you'll try to run out everything and it just destroys the top of your toes. Like you get all these blisters, shin splints. So like at a certain point you either need a, fucking commit or slam or just be like we're good for the day and i think uh i can't i can't think of the specifics but i'm sure at a certain point i was just like i just gotta fucking go for it slam or land (laughs) i don't remember taking anything taking too gnarly of any slams on the heel flip but i remember rolling away from it i felt stoked and i remember like when i first moved to sf and was filming something with uh john trip for four and one i'd heel flip the smaller street gap that was on the other side like kayla's had tray flipped it way back in the day yeah and uh you know like no one skated that big one until you heard of like i think kip sumter must have ollied it back in the day but when maldonado back 180 did you were like oh shit it's on like that's like a yeah. fucking spot and then uh damien switch ollied it used to ride for santa cruz damn that's insane but uh that's yeah huge. that was like on a list like i think when i'd be filming for videos and especially for that one i'd start you'd start getting towards like the deadline and you'd start going through this list. Like, Oh, I got to try to get that. I got to try to get this because it's just like things that kept me up at, at night. Really. <laughs> just like, oh, I got to get that. So that was definitely one of the ones I was like, it would be good to have that for the part. Dude. Classic spot. I wish it was still around today. I can only imagine what people would be doing these days, but I'm glad I got to see it before it kind of got messed up. Yeah. Someone would definitely tray flip it. Justin Brock tray flipped it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Fuck. The, gnar- <laughs> the gnarliest tray flip of all Damn. time. Damn. 
Hey, Justin, no disrespect. My bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these days, who knows? Fucking. Someone would switch trade it then. Yeah. Shane O'Neill. Yep. That was heavy. Props on that heel flip. Thanks. While we're going behind the scenes, can you take us behind the scenes on uh, your last two tricks and the reason? Switch frontside flip and tray flip on the pier blocks. Oh, that. (laughs) I was like, I'm like, what are I switch frontside flip? (laughs) My biggest memory of that whole obstacle is just trying to switch Ollie up for the switch frontside flip. Mm -hmm. And then it's crazy, like fast forward, I remember seeing uh, Walker do switch backside flip and I feel like he looked so cash just like getting up on there. I was hauling ass, like trying to just get enough speed to switch frontside flip it. And I definitely hung up a few times where like I slid maybe two thirds of that whole block just on my knees and and hands. I think at the end of the day, all I cared about was making sure I got up on top of the ledge, like the actual gap. I was just like, whatever, if you hang up, you're fine. You'll just either like slide or fall off the ledge because it's wide enough that it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And then now it's even crazier because they have all the skate stoppers. So if anyone does tricks on that, like you'll definitely get hemmed up on that. But uh, yeah, the switch ollie. I was more concerned about that. <laughs> <laughs> Tray flip is crazy too because like your board could go, you pop from one end and then kind of land on the other side. Cause your oh, board yeah, yeah. So sketchy. But that, that's one of those spots that like you got you to gotta go see it for yourself to appreciate how insane it is. Yeah, that's true. I... I um, it's funny when you said that, I was like thinking about SF in general is kind of like that type of city. Like you need to, you can count the stairs, you can count like, oh, a car fits there. But once you, once you get there and see what like the pitch of the hill is, or I don't know, just, just so many obstacles are, are part of the tricks when it comes to the hills at SF. Like I remember seeing some of the shit Drahobel did back in the day. Oof. And you're like, oh, it's cool. I seen it in the video. And then you go actually yeah. to the spot. Or like Ricky Oyola when he came out, I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> actually, that's cool he did an ollie on that. I can't even believe that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I feel like there's probably people that go to SF still and like, oh, I think I could do something there. And you're like, that's a really fucked hill. No, for sure. I didn't appreciate it till I went there. And Sapa showed me around and I was just like, are you kidding me? That's that thing. That's that thing. Like, I was cl- claiming all types of shit. <laughs> <laughs> didn't do anything so sick you're like mm, on second thought yeah so while we're at it can you give us the story behind the back lip down clipper that didn't happen oh whoa <laughs> i haven't even thought about that um i'm like trying to think who i went there to shoot photos with i'm like i might have gone there with lance dawes who ended up shooting uh the cover like when he painted it red with with heath mm-hmm. back clipping it but uh or i might have been shooting with pete thompson but i don't know like I like hubba's and clippers a fucking amazing hubba. Oh yeah. And uh I feel like back lips kind of like a safety trick on a handrail in the sense that like you can get away from it and jump over to the back side especially if there's no stairs on the other side and because that hubba's wide like you're just hanging out and I was getting into a few of them like I felt like I had it but my foot came off on one try off the back and the board just like flipped up and smacked me in the forehead. Oh. I didn't need to get stitches or anything, but I was like, oh, I think I'm good. And I, I just like, you know, there's just tricks that you you do and you're like, oh, maybe I'll go back. Maybe I won't. Like, I wasn't like, oh, if I do this, it's going to be defining by any means. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw Heath have the cover, I was like, fuck, that's sick. I, I was like, shit, maybe I should have gone back. Like, <laughs> whatever. Like, and, you know, like, I think it's good to have those moments, too. 
especially if you cannot be butthurt about it because at the end of the day, if you really want something, it's up to you. Like you can't fault anybody else for doing your trick that you had in your mind, you know, like, so I was just like, well, if I really had wanted it, I would have gone back. Like I didn't split my head open. I didn't get it knocked out or anything. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a weird feeling seeing your cover. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? I mean, like I could have like landed it and just been like, it could have been maybe like a quarter page photo. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? You just never know like how things work. Like that month that anyone does a trick, there might be something even gnarlier that came out and the, and the editors are just like, okay, cool. That's amazing. That hasn't been done. But what about this other thing? Let's put that on the cover. Like when you hear stories about who gets last video part and sometimes it seems like it comes down to like one trick and you're just like, damn, okay, that trick is amazing. But I think that other person had a better part or, yeah. you know. Yeah. Your last trick in reels kicked out of everywhere. You three flip that street gap that you've done a bunch of tricks on oh, yeah. over the years. And then our mutual friend, Caswell Barry, three flipped it in bag of suck. Yep. What's up with that, man? He didn't do his research. <laughs> it's really funny because I was there with him when he tray flipped it. And I was what? just like, I don't want to be that person and be like, yo, I did that trick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't, it just, I think some days, especially now because you can see everyone's tricks and what they're doing through Instagram or YouTube or wherever else you find your clips. But you can get mad about everyone doing your trick that you did ages ago. But like at the end of the day, there's only X amount of tricks and X amount of spots. So like shit's going to get redone unless you're a mastermind like a Shane O'Neill or like MJ or something like mm-hmm. that shit's just going to get done. And so like watching Caswell do it, and like Caswell is a fucking beast. I'm like, dude, go at it. And I, he actually hit me up like a, uh, a few weeks or months after he had filmed that, and he's like, yo, why didn't you tell me that you had done that? <laughs> and I was like, dude, bag of suck? Like, especially in like hindsight, I'm like, bag of suck was like a fucking monumental video for Enjoy and for mm-hmm. everyone that had a video part in there. I'm just like, uh, Kicked Out of Everywhere came out on VHS, and I think Kicked Out of Everywhere came out in, uh, like Mickey Reyes back in the day, he advocated for a, uh, porn video sized boxes <laughs> that way they could stand out from all the other boxes and i think kicked out of everywhere came out in one of those sick and it, wow <laughs> like i'm like thinking i did the nolly big spin over uh at pier seven i'm like i never do that trick that was like one and done <laughs> yeah that was that was random that caught me off guard today <laughs> that was like the only one you did that's funny the tray flip Dude, Caswell crushed it on that. Yeah, his was butter. And that was like my favorite street gap in SF. Like I, I went there, I don't know, I did a bunch of tricks down that thing that I love. Was that the same session you nollie flipped it? Nah, that, I probably skated that street gap maybe like 20 or 30 times. Oh, like, damn. All the different tricks. I'm just like, I feel like uh, I don't have tricks dialed in the sense where you can get the trick in two or three tries and then try something else. I'm like, all right, we'll just bang it out all day long, try to get this clip. Got it. Cool. Let's see if I'm sore and can skate tomorrow or not. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to call out Caswell's snake ass. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's the homie, man. <laughs> just kidding. It's all love. So you had an infamous ad for real back in the day where half of your back and your whole ass is bruised. Never seen anything like that. What's the story behind that ad? It was a real tour on the East Coast where we'd uh, started out in Atlanta Actually, I think that was the first time Dennis Booznitz had gone on a real tour. 
funny fact, when we were, I think we were getting Frank Gerber out of jail in Atlanta. <laughs> oh, shit. I think Max had bet Dennis 100 bucks that he couldn't nolly flip 100 times in a row, and he did 98. Oh, so he didn't get wow. the 100. But yeah, so that was Atlanta. We made our way up. I like, roomed with Mark Gonzalez on that trip. That was fun. He didn't sleep that much, and he brought a bunch of books from the library, which was pretty random, but it was cool. <laughs> um, got to witness a lot of crazy shit on that trip. But um, we were in D.C. skating that uh, gold rail that like Mike Carroll backlips and oh, Questionable, and yeah. Bobby Worst owns it, basically. Just up the street from Pulaski. Yeah, so we'd been skating uh, all day and all night, and I think we got to that spot maybe around 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning. And uh, before we pulled out the generators or anything... I started backsmithing it and I was like, oh shit, I've never backsmithed the handrail before. And so like I tried it a couple times and I remember Mickey and Gabe were like, hold on, hold on, let's get the fucking generator so we can film it. Mm-hmm. And then the third try, I didn't ollie high enough. I'm going to blame it on like sleep deprivation since it was like a <laughs> 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. sesh. But uh, I hit the back of my heel, my back foot. Oh. And so I was like clipping a little bit and I was going to fall back, but somehow I like tried to eject and I think I got my foot, front foot maybe back on the rail and I did a backflip. Like oh. jumped higher than the handrail, yeah. spazzed out. Like I probably would have been fine if I just went like limp or like super drunk guy and just like got a hipper. But when I jumped out, uh, I landed directly on my back and uh, probably like knocked myself out for a couple seconds. Jesus. And, uh, we ended up going to the hospital to get it checked out and the doctors were just, they did a couple x-rays and they just said it's a big contusion, like Damn. a big bruise. But it took six weeks before I could stand up straight. I remember Jim Thibault said, or he asked me, he's like, what are you going to do like after that? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, like, what is that? How do you feel about skateboarding? And I was like, it's fine. Shit will just heal. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's just a bruise. Cause I, that time we were in the hospital, I remember talking to like the admitting nurse, like what, what's the gnarly shit that you guys see here? Like, is this thing big? Cause it felt like I had a turtle shell on my back and it was like, it came out like, yeah, I don't know, like four inches, five inches. But she started telling me all these stories about drunk driving accidents. And I was like, Oh, we're good. This is mellow. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. You learn over time that like, I think most skaters that we know, Mm-hmm. are just going to will themselves to be able to skate no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of injury they get. If, if you're in it for the long haul, yeah. you're going you're gonna to make it happen. So, I don't know. It was just like, oh, it's just a bruise. It's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty gross. That, it was fucked up, for sure. Did you retire backsmiths after that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've, like, backsmithed, I've backsmithed a few hubbas and handrails, but nothing, like, legit ever since then. Yeah. Like, any major, like... Injury, I've definitely, like, I hung that up and I hung up uh, switchback side flips because of pretty bad ankle injury. Oh, damn. So from real, you went on to start Pop War. What was the thought process behind that move? And give us one of your favorite Pop War memories. So Pop War, Pop War was just, like, this idea that I wanted to start a board company. I originally wanted to start the board company through Deluxe, and I'd been talking to Jim for a while, like, probably, like, a year or so before I left real because I think Rasa Libre had started before that time when I was thinking about it. And I was like, Hey, I want to like get Kenny Reed on the same team as me, but it didn't make sense for Kenny to ride for, for real. So I was like, what if we could do a company? And like Jim and I were talking like that could have, it was like something we were talking about. 
It wasn't like a sure thing by any means. Uh, we kept talking about it lightly. And then uh, Tommy and Mark started Crooked. And I was like, oh, that's fucking sick. And at the same time, I was like, dude, between Rasa, Real, Antihero, and Crooked, like there's no way, especially because yeah. I'd only been on the team for maybe like three or four years. And like, these are people that have been with the with Deluxe for ages. And I was like, this isn't going to happen. So I remember talking to maybe Bod Boyle or Steve Douglas, and that was when they're doing giant distributions. And so that idea came up to kind of like to leave real and go down to giant distributions. And we originally started a brand called Populous. And in hindsight, I'm like, I'm no art director. Like I didn't have that experience back then. And so we brought in this dude, Yogi Proctor, who is a great uh, designer and had long, t long ties with uh, both Bod and Steve. So he came in and we changed the name to Pop War and brought in some of the people that rode for New Deal. And I know like some people thought that Pop War was basically like the death of New Deal, but by no means like my intention was never to do that. And like, as far as I knew, like New Deal was doing its thing and me going down to giant distributions was totally separate. But I think some people like kind of connected the dots and really just like, oh, that's cool. You like take this person and this person and this person. I'm like, at the end of the day, I just wanted to do a board company with Kenny Reed on it. And like yeah. Pop War ended up having some really fucking rad people that incidentally did ride for New Deal. Mm -hmm. But I was like, my first step was just like, how do I get a company going with Kenny Reed and I on it? So that's how Pop War started. Sick. You also had one of the best young Canadians at the time, Aaron Johnson, man. Oh, yeah. Dude. I remember, uh, so I found out about AJ because of this dude, Randy Laybourne, who was our art director at first when we started Populous. And Andy's, uh, I mean, Randy's from uh, Canada. And he was like, hey, you need to go up and meet this dude, AJ. They're doing a North premiere. So I went to the North premiere. I learned how to shotgun beers because <laughs> of AJ. Uh, I remember we were going to the these all-you-can-eat sushi spots, which I had never heard of. Like, that, 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 that shit doesn't exist. So we went to, like, an all-you-can-eat sushi spot. We brought in a 30-rack of beer, just put it underneath the table. Wow. We would go to, <laughs> we'd go to the bathroom, shotgun a beer, come back, and just eat as much sushi, go to the bathroom, shotgun another beer. <laughs> it was the craziest experience. And then... Uh, that sounds like him. Saw North, and I was like, yo, this dude's a fucking G. We should mm -hmm. definitely have him on Pop War. Wow. So yeah, that's how he got on. Uh, or that was like a defining moment for me. I was like, this dude's so sick. And then we did, ended up doing a Pop War tour up along, up through the island and everything. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, AJ's fucking skate machine. You did a demo here in Toronto too. Yeah. Yeah, we went to that demo as kids. It's like a tiny really? little concrete park. Oh yeah. In, in Sarsborough, uh, Scarsborough. Scarborough, yeah. And I remember people were calling it SARSboro, and I was like, it was around the SARS epidemic, which oh, is damn. really fucked up since we're in the middle of COVID-19. <laughs> yeah. I filmed a trick of Kenny Reed on the hubba there. He did a back 5-0, and we put it in our, like, our full-length video we made as kids like he was one of our homies, man. That's so sick. He was just like Kenny Reed in the middle of the friend section. It was so dope. <laughs> that park was fun. I remember that that was a fun time for sure. Yeah. Uh, I caught it bored in that product toss. Never forget that day. Yes. Shouts to Pop War. <laughs> <laughs> so sick.
If you want a box, you've come to the right place. CHPO brand does it for the people week in and week out. Head over to at CHPO brand on Instagram and tell us what sunglasses Beatrice Demond is wearing that are 100% made from recycled plastic. Email your answers to thebuntlive at gmail.com. CHPO brand, putting hater blockers over your eyes and diamonds on your wrist. So you rode for Audio, then Lakai for the longest time, and then Etnies. You've stayed with smaller brands with Skate Origins for your whole career. Did you ever think about trying to get on some of the bigger brands that got into skating, like Nike or Adidas? Nah, I didn't actually. Like, which is funny because I work for Adidas now. But <laughs> no, I think I was really happy with Lakai. Like, I was. Yeah. I like look back on that. I'm like everything that we did with Lakai during the time I was there felt fucking amazing. Uh, felt right. I think uh, after we did fully flared, and some people started getting on the bigger brands, and I think there just was a lot of money that was invested into making fully flared happen. Because we had spent a handful, probably like two or three years filming it, and then like Eric got on, and then Guy got on, so like prolonged the project even longer. I think after it came out, maybe like within a year or so, like a lot of people were leaving for Adidas and for Nike. But for me, I just, at that, yeah, I just didn't see there being a place for me writing for a company of that size. And I, I think when I look back on everything I did so far in like this, this career skateboarding, um, especially as a professional skater, like, I'm happy with everything that I did, like all the choices I made and like the sponsors I had. And um, yeah, I, I've had friends that worked at Etnies, like Oliver Barton and Paul Sharp, they were over at Etnies. And um, when it kind of felt like Lakai wasn't doing so well and it, it just seemed like it made sense to, where it was like the right time to leave, uh, I reached out to those guys. I might've like, there's a good chance I might've like reached out to someone like Yasha Muller, who's uh works for Adidas. I might have reached out to him kind of just like, hey, is there any chance I could get like shoes or anything? I didn't I didn't have any misconception that I was gonna get like a like an awesome deal or anything like that. And not to say like everything I did in skating was like about money or like the deal, but it was just like trying to be realistic. Like I think people in every industry that are just like, oh I'm fucking good at this shit. You owe me. I should be getting yeah. paid bank. And I'm just like, nah, here's the reality is like, I know what's out there. Uh, and I just wanted to continue skating. And I think I, when I think about it more, um, the idea with going with Etnies was like an opportunity to maybe work in marketing on the back end. Cause like when I was writing for enjoy and toward the, the latter years, I started doing like helping out with team management and just like social media managing and stuff like that. Cause it wasn't like the writing was on the wall, but I was just aware, like, if I want to stay in skating and stay within, like, this thing that's always given back to me, it can't always be just trying to give everything I've got with this body. Like, the body, mm -hmm. can, the body can only go so far, you <laughs> yeah. know? So um, moving over to Soltech, I thought there'd be an opportunity to go into the marketing side, which actually didn't pan out the way I thought it would. But, yeah, I rode for those guys for, I guess, three or four years. It actually, it's funny because it came to this point and you guys hear about it and maybe some people don't hear about it, but 
I remember the last year or so, I had run out my contract at Etnies and I wasn't getting paid at all. And I know some people are just like, oh, fuck that. Why would you ride for a company and not get paid? But I also knew that that was part of like my like setup of sponsors. And it just didn't make sense to jump to like another brand who may not pay yeah. me. And just like, let's solidify this look. Like if you had, it's like having, I don't know, like a basketball player jump into every team every single year. You're just like, I don't know what this person's all about. So it's just like, <laughs> all right, it just yeah. makes sense. Like these dudes will take me on trips if there's, if there's budget for that. Uh, speaking of that last year on Etnies. And then I'll just get the shoes and I like, I like riding those shoes. And I'm just like, it, it made sense. And then it just came to a point where everything as a whole, like between all my sponsors, I was like, I think I need to get a, a different paying job. I can't just rely on like living with a ton of roommates and trying to do the <laughs> skate thing at, uh, in my late thirties, you know, I was like, yeah. uh -huh. mm -hmm. so that's when I like, yeah, that's when I was like, all right, cool. We're done with, done with Etnies. I remember when I started, at, uh, working at Adidas, people were like, so you still going to get shoes from Etnies? I was like, what? That sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I get shoes oh, from so Etnies and work at Adidas that's that doesn't work out yeah. so I was like no I'll ride these other shoes Adidas makes them yeah there you go so you had one of our favorite parts in fully flared a video we didn't oh. particularly enjoy as a whole when the majority <laughs> of the team was trying to push the boundaries of tech skating often at the expense of venturing into the realm of illegal tricks <laughs> You stayed true to your style of skating. Dude, thank you. What was that video project like for you? And did you notice all the crazy trick combos happening around you? Wow, uh, that means a lot. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> for me, the video project was just trying to get tricks that I felt were like pushing my boundaries and not necessarily pushing the boundaries of skateboarding as a whole. And I think there were team riders like, uh, like MJ and Guy who really push the boundaries of skateboarding. And that's like, I think there's a select few in skateboarding as a whole that are able to do that per, per generation. And that's just not my shit. Like, it's not like, I don't know. I just was like, I just want to keep doing tricks that I feel good about. And if I think about it, it's not like I have a hand, like a, a deep basket of tricks, but it's not that I can't do a lot of tricks. I'm just like, ah, the time spent to do this trick isn't going to be as rewarding as maybe finding some gap to hubba that I don't know that really speaks to me. Yeah. So um, for me, it was just having the opportunity to travel with all these guys and go to different places that had spots that I'd seen in videos or in magazines and do the stuff that really feels good for me. It's funny because I like look back to when I lived in Florida, like we had built all these boxes and would stay at our friend's house and skate them all the time. And like, I like laugh because there'd been times when I've like, I've done like switch flip back tails. And I'm like, what? I can't even imagine doing that nowadays. Or just all this like, kind of like, n by no means anything like uh, what MJ's doing, like that tech wizardry. But like, I'm like, I have somewhat of a ledge game back then, but I'm like, that just didn't speak to me during my pro career. But yeah, going on those trips and seeing some of the shit that guy was doing, witnessing that in person. Um, and then I remember the first time we did a footage party and Ty Evans precursed it by saying, look, uh, we're gonna look through everyone's footage. 
I just want everyone to know, like, Mark, MJ has a lot of footage and please don't, like, by no means compare yourself and the amount of footage you have to Mark. And I feel like all of us had, like, a decent amount of footage. Like, you could probably put out two Instagram parts with it uh, per person. <laughs> and then MJ would have needed, I feel like he must have had that first party, maybe, like, 18 or 20 minutes of footage. Jesus. It was all fucked all insane stuff. I feel like at the end of the whole project, he maybe had 40 or 45 minutes of footage. <laughs> and I'd seen him like, I'd seen him do stuff wasted, doing the gnarliest shit. And just seeing him take a beating like that dude is like, he's like day one, like just a fucking muscle. And could just like take the abuse and make these tricks happen no matter what. Like whether it's a gnarly trick or like required a lot of finesse and technique, like he was able to do all that shit whether he's sober or not, dude. <laughs> That's a real talent right there. Yeah. He, yeah. he like really expanded the envelope, stretched the envelope for, for sure. But yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think I ever wanted to make Ty like sit there or I couldn't, didn't want to make myself sit there and try like <laughs> alleged tricks super long. Like I'm stoked. I did a back, back lip slide across the grade in Milan to fakie. I was like, cool. <laughs> Dude, that was sick. That felt amazing. Meanwhile, like I see like everything that Lucas did there, I'm like, that's amazing. Like Lucas had such an insane part. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I get stoked when I see any of that footage from anyone that's like a, a ledge wizard. But uh, see myself do that shit, nah. <laughs> You almost forget how many good parts are in the middle of that video. Like, it's so long. Oh, yeah. And the parts that, like, you remember from watching it back in the day or, like, a couple years ago or whatever aren't the parts that you should remember it for, you know? Yeah. The real meat of that video is the best part, the middle parts. For sure. Yeah. I think rewatching like, as many as your parts today as I could find, I think that was your best part, but it was just kind of underrated as far as your career as a whole i think just because mm -hmm. it was in the middle of like an hour and a half long skate video <laughs> but you went ham thank you your hammer section just like never ends thank just you like oh kept thinking it's over nah nah <laughs> yeah thank you so much love that part yeah we've we've spoke on it before but our favorite parts in that video were like you beeble costin guys like Woo welsh lenosi yeah. yeah that didn't weren't trying to do crazy ass wild tricks just for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like Bledsoe's a good person that can do crazy ass tricks and I'm like fucking hooked. Yeah. And not to say like some of the crazy shit that like Jesus does a lot of amazing stuff in there and Mark does too. And I'm just like, it's, it's, it's a lot to take in, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just like, all right, figuring out how that's possible. Like obviously all those tricks are possible because people are doing them. But, uh, it, it takes a special person. I feel like uh, seeing Bledsoe lately, I'm just like, okay, I can get down with that. I understand that that's, that's like a fully flared trick, but it just feels different with him. It feels like the combos became like the, the theme of that video and it's like what people remember it for. Right. It's like, let me see how many of these combos I can do in EA skate now, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not a combo skater. Hell no. Yeah. I'm a basic skater. <laughs> Dude, stuck to your strengths, man, and that's yeah. why that part's the best. Yeah, I'll take a Cairo nose grind over a Lucas Puig backsmith to back nose slide any day. Damn. Although I, I love Puig, but that trick was just horrible. <laughs> Yo, Wu Welsh had a crazy uh, combo trick in there, too, and he doesn't usually do too many combos. And it was the on that curved wedge, he does 
nose slide to back lip, which was kind oh, of Oh, yeah, fucked. yeah. Just oh, yeah. so rare for him, but even he bought into the combo of life, I guess. <laughs> the footy party got to him. Yeah, because he's not like a... He's not touching the middle of the board too often either. Yeah, especially on a ledge. Wow, that's a good, that rare. good catch right there. Yeah, I didn't know combos for me. <laughs> <laughs> You've got one of the most accomplished nolly flips in the game, if not the most. Wow, thanks. You've done them up shit, over shit, across shit, down shit. <laughs> How do you figure them out so well? What's the secret? The secret to nolly flips and generally any nolly flipping is just pushing it forward. I feel like it's, it's less, to, for me, it's less about like just popping it. It's like being able to pop and push that front of your foot forward mm-hmm. so that you can get that distance cleared. And then for me, and I've talked to uh, Pete Eldridge about it before, I just have like a duck-footed stance. So for me, I'm just like, if I'm going to nollie flip, get those heels looking at each other, uh, <laughs> make sure that I'm like trying to nollie the board out in front of me. That way you don't credit card mm-hmm. and add a little speed in there. You just got to have it push out in front of you. It's kind of like the same with nollie heel flips because that's the real credit card trick. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So you want to just like, if you can get that nollie action to go forward, and it's, if it's crazy, like doing a regular nollie feels way different than nollie flips. It's always getting that forward momentum with that front foot. And then your back mm-hmm. foot will just follow. Like you're not, unless you're like trying to think of some people that got crazy flicks, Sierra Fellers, like unless you're some shit like that, like, where you got that full extension with your back foot, you're not doing mm-hmm. too much. You just It's all in that front foot, in my opinion. What was your favorite nollie flip that you did? I guess, too, like the nollie flip in uh, Santa Monica. Yo, that was sick, yeah. Kurt Hayashi had filmed uh, Rest in Peace, and John Humphreys had shot it like I was doing a, a Milestones for the first uh, skateboard mag. That one was really rewarding because I must have... I must have tried that for like three or four hours. Damn. I like took a fucking beating. And then the other one is the nollie flip in uh, China for Oververt. Yeah. I took an insane beating there. And the whole reason, it's funny. I was like, I'd been to China to that spot in the past. And I remember going there with Enjoy. And I was like, oh, I think let's go check out this double set. And uh, Thynan was with us. And that was like when Thynan was still jumping down shit. And uh, Jimmy Carlin was riding for Enjoy as well. And he's a jumper. Or he, like that mystery part, he's like a mega jumper. I just wanted to go there to maybe see if I could nollie flip it. But the whole reason I was like, maybe Thine can switch heel it. Jimmy's going to hard flip it. I was just trying to get people hyped. And then I'm like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to try it. And uh, I think Roger Bagley like, did one of the little, um, I forgot what they're called in movie making, but the little card that like clicks. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we, I don't know, it took 50 tries or something like that. He would snap Damn. it every single time. It was just like, this is ridiculous, but it actually like worked out cool as a little skit. Yeah. Was trying to not like, but yeah, that's, that's Wait, probably which one, one of my was the Santa ones. Monica one. I got confused. I was thinking of the Sac- Sacramento triple one. Oh yeah. That, damn. That's a, that's my, maybe like the best one I've ever done. That one felt good. That one was insane. Dude, I remember. <laughs> oh, we went to Beeble's house to try to get him to come skate that day. And he had half of his cornrows out. So he had like a puffy on one side <laughs> and cornrows still in on the other side. Shit was ridiculous. That was good having him on the sesh at the sack triple set. The the one in Santa Monica's that uh it's over a handrail and lands in kind of a driveway. Oh. I think Pat Chanita did a frontside flip over. I'm I'm digging deep here. Kane Gale might have front one eighty it for an old DC drawers ad or something. 
Wait, is it? Is it PJ the one? PJ did some shit over it. Yeah, the one they skated a lot in Baker Three. Yep. Okay. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sick. Wow. I think the triple set. Maybe that. That might have been like my cleanest nollie flip down. Something of a. Distance. That one was perfection. Yeah. That. Th- thank you. That was huge too. Thank you. You did want to start a line at third and army over like a box too. That was. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's it was like, like a manual can, pad or something. You just yeah. like nollie flipped over the mani pad to start the lines. Fuck. You got to push it forward so you can clear it. Yeah. All, my, my whole theory on at least the way I skate is like trying to, when you're trying to get clips at least, like try to go as fast as possible so when you fuck up, you're distributing all that energy like all over the world. Not just like, <laughs> forward, yeah. not just yeah. like stacking on your, on your hip or your heels or something. I'm just like, just go fast. Get the shit in front of you. You'll, you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I like so that. it wouldn't be a Cairo Foster interview if we didn't talk about your nollie hard flips too. <laughs> yes. What's the deal with those, man? So a lot of people call them nollie shovets or nollie illusion flips. <laughs> um, back when I could do those uh, switch flips, switch back tails on ledges, I could also do like proper nollie hard flips to backside nose slides. So, Damn. Damn. so somewhere in this body. There used to be someone that could do a nollie hard flip that had a full flip. And then, uh, yeah, the nollie hard flips just kind of, they're, they're super SD style. Like they go in between the legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mathematically speaking, they can only technically half flip if they're going between the legs. So I don't know, like sometimes the direction's the wrong way, but they do half kick flip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, nollie shoves are dope too. And then, uh, whatever happens. I remember. Whoa. Car- Carol gave me a big up once. He's just like, whatever you call them, they're fucking, you pop them high, they're sick. And I was like, all right, cool, I'll go with that. <laughs> but yeah, how I do them now, it's, uh, I used to do my switch frontside flips like that too, but I kind of like learned them so they actually look a little more legit. But uh, yeah, the Nolly hard flips, the switch hard flips, they definitely dig into that uh, late 90s, early 2000s San Diego vibe. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of criminals out there that do them, have done them that way. <laughs> I, uh, I, may, I might fall into that category. <laughs> okay, question though. You did, you had a clip over that rail. I think it's in Oakland. In the, the schoolyard. Reel to reel. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what was that one? I don't know. Just like a nolly off the nose and then I landed and the, and the tail's <laughs> facing forward. <laughs> Dude, Not I, exactly sure how it got there, yeah, but it's, I, I, it um, got there. I think uh, my favorite thing about whenever something like that gets reposted is the amount of uh, the amount of hate and uh, and trolling and just like I don't know people just get into it on that one and uh, I, I kind of like the reactions it gives I'm just like I don't know man I did that like 15 or 20 years ago it is what it yeah. is and it's like uh, and this is like my own like personal personal trolley type thing is like the nose grind versus the overcrook. Like yeah. growing up, like overcrook was always like only backside for me, and yeah. like frontside nose grinds were just whatever you could get. And then uh, yeah, so yeah, the nolly nolly hard flip over that rail, it's nolly something. I landed. <laughs> yeah. It's a make. Like we're gonna put her in the video part. <laughs> landed a trick over it. Yeah. yeah, I watched that one a few times today, and I was like, I've never. I don't know if I've seen you nolly shove something like on purpose trying nolly shove. So I yeah. just didn't know if it was. Well, I can't nollie shove there. at all. That oh, okay. one was the closest to nollie shove. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's that one, and there's this one in uh, in England at Milton Keynes, like over some rail that's out at the end of these stairs, and I get called out all the time. Like, 
I wouldn't doubt if someone's like called that out as an, an illegal trick. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's bolts. No. It's Cairo classic. <laughs> Quick nolly flip thing that I wanted to mention I forgot was one of my favorite underrated nolly flips you did was when you just nolly flip up that ledge and then nose grind that curved rail. Oh, yeah. That nolly flip was so crazy. Like That was like the harder part. I feel like if I went to that spot, I could never nolly flip up the ledge to begin with and you just did it so <laughs> casually just to get to the nose grind <laughs> a respect on that that's awesome thank you one of our favorite parts of yours is your oververt part that we were just talking about with the nolly flip ender mm -hmm. which came out in 2014 so i don't know how long you'd been pro for but Let's just say you've been pro for a long time at that point. Yeah. Uh, and you're still putting your body on the line for insane clips. What was it like filming for that project? It was good. I, uh, I think I knew in my mind that that was probably like the last like full video part that I was going to film where it was like tied with a company uh, with like a whole complete project. Um, and I think it was like our chance to really do a full length enjoy video. Like we had done some other enjoy videos following up Bag of Suck, like in Bag of Suck is like in its own realm. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, uh, filming that Oververt part was just like, let's just make it really good and make Oververt solid and not like put enjoy back on the map in any way, but just like come correct because enjoy is the brand that needs those decent ass videos, you know? So to me, I just wanted to do the best things I could do. I actually, like, looking back, I'm like, you're right. I kind of, like, t ate some fucking shit filming for that video. <laughs> I think the, the best thing for me, at least, and this goes, this is probably for a lot of skaters. Like, if you have the right filmer working with you, they can really push you in the right direction. And Roger Bagley was working for Enjoy at that time, and he's super old school. We're probably, like, the same age, and he could get a little crabby. And just be like, yo, let's just do this. And I, I'm, I'm down with that. Like, I feel like uh, some people can't hang with that. Like, they feel like it's added pressure. Like, I feel like uh, filming back in the day with Jason Hernandez or Ty, sometimes you just be like, okay, cool. Like, for, at least for me, I'm like, it worked really well. And so, like, with Roger Bagley, it worked good filming for, for Oververt. And uh, I could just feel like, yeah, come correct on this. And like, like I said, like that double set, I'm just like, I just wanted everyone else to fucking bust too. Yeah. <laughs> you see like some old ass dude on the fucking team carcass tossing. It's just like, maybe that'll get you hyped. Maybe it doesn't. Cause I know sometimes people are just like, oh God, that was a God awful slam. I don't want to <laughs> skate this now. Maybe that backfired when I was skating that double set and Jimmy and uh, Thynum were like, ooh, hell nah. <laughs> you had a tremendous and absolutely legendary career. In January of 2019, you made the decision to retire. What was behind that decision? Oh, and thank you. Thank you for sure. That's a great call out. But um, <laughs> I had just been talking with Louie probably for like a year before that, maybe longer. And I wasn't trying to retire or anything. I was just like, hey, dude, let's take my name off the board. And I had talked to other people in skating and friends and whatever. And they're like, dude, you, you could have a, your name on a board for as long as you want. I was just like, yeah, I get that, but I just wanna just dip out and give space for other people on the team. And just in general, I feel like it's uh, everything's cyclical and it's like mm -hmm. 
bowing out to give, give shine to some other people. And I, I'm not saying like I was taking away from anybody or I'm letting someone in by, by doing that. I was just like, for me, I was working a lot at Adidas and if I'm not out there being able to skate, like it's my full-time job, I feel like that's a disservice to having my name on a board. So I was like, Lou, like I, I skate on the weekends, I skate after work. I tried to film with Tristan out here in Portland, but like the spots are, they're harder to come by here in Portland. And I just don't have the time to do that. So let's take my name off the board. And we had talked about it back and forth. He had some ideas and it wasn't like really a retirement thing. And then fast forward to that, that January, like I was, I thought I was going down to LA for some work shit with Adidas, but it turns out like in the background, Louis had been orchestrating this like retirement party. Like I had no clue (laughs) that that was going down. Like I wasn't trying to be like official retirement or anything. Um, I just was like, let's get my name off a board. And it, it was great. Like it was amazing to see all the people that was involved in that party who came out. Like I was shocked. Carol and Rick Howard came out. My wife was in on it too. I was like, what? Sick. We lived together and you didn't even tell me about this shit, which <laughs> that's, it's not a surprise if they had told me, but yeah, it was, it was a great send off. I was really appreciative. I don't know. I was like all smiles for the first 10 minutes. Cause I was in so much shock. Like I was looking around, like, what are you guys all here for? <laughs> I kept like coming up with these excuses. Like, Hey, so you guys are here to see if the presentation will work for this thing for work. <laughs> like I was tripping. Wow. That's sick, man. Randomly came across some random footage of you trying some kickflips down Wallenberg on YouTube. Oh, shit. What was that sesh like? And do you have any plans on finishing it in retirement? (laughs) That was, damn, that must have been like 98 or something. That was with my homie Dan Libby. And uh, Wallenberg was like down the street from our house. So we just skated it all the time. And I thought it'd be cool to try to kickflip it. Since I'm goofy footed, I couldn't like, I would just have to come through the corridor that they put the ramp in and just like run and push as fast as I could. I don't know. I just like tried it a bunch of times, got close and never tried it again. Like I didn't think, I guess I didn't really think that, not that it wasn't like monumental or like a big deal. I was just like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll get back around to it or something. Yeah. Like I I broke my truck. I definitely wanted the trick. And now it's crazy, like talking about that big California street gap and like the shit that people can do nowadays. Just like look at Wallenberg and the stuff that people do. Like yeah. what, Miles mm-hmm. did, did switch back heel. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. That guy's crazy. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I, I used to say uh, to people would ask about him. I was like, Miles, that dude's the truth. He's so sick mm-hmm. at skateboarding. He's fucking so amazing. But yeah, like the kickflip was just, I don't know. Dan Libby had like a Canon camera what well, i forgot the canon that everyone used to use before everyone was using vx 1000s but uh we were just fucking around seeing if we could get that if you had done that what had it still not been done at the time yeah no one had done it i think uh gerwa did it like a year or two later or something oh damn dude and I, I didn't i i i mean part of me definitely wanted to be the first person to do it but it wasn't just like okay let's go back every single time till you get it type of thing And Mm -hmm. then in hindsight, looking back just on my experiences, that's why I said that earlier, just like if you don't go back on it and do that trick, that means you didn't want it enough and you can't be mad when someone else does it. I mean, it's, it's different if you're like at the spot and like all three of us there at the spot and we're like, oh, you're coming here today to do it. That's like a whole different situation. But, uh, 
Yeah, shame on me for not going back and doing that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most impressive things about your career was the longevity, but also how gnarly you remained for the entirety of it. A lot of people reinvent themselves towards the end of their career, maybe become more groundhogs like we like to call them, do some more ledge tricks or manis, or maybe get more into transition. How were you able to skate at such a high level for so long and do the amount of jumping you did? Um, thank you again. Um, well, it helps to really suck at skating ramps. <laughs> that helps out a lot. And then even though I do slappies and stuff, I'm not a big fan of like doing that pivot to just being like the slappy God, <laughs> unless that was like something you may have done back in the day. Like there are people who are all about slappies, but they've had such a long career that they probably like grew up doing slappies all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's validity in doing that. And then I've never been a fan of skating fucking banks. Like <laughs> bank to curbs, bank to, nah, fuck bank. Like, no, it's funny, like for my mind, I, I almost imagine like I work in 90 degree angles. Like, oh, the ledge goes straight out and it ends 90 degrees. Cool. Yeah. Like landing into something. And like you could say, well, how's that apply for SF? Well, I'm like, well, I'm taken off at an angle and I'm landing in the same angle because the hill's the same way. So I'm going up, my upward trajectory is 90 degrees up and I'm going back down. Like I, I don't mess, I don't mess around. Well, I mean, I skate ramps and stuff, but like you skate into banks too. You've done like a bunch of nollies into banks. Yeah. I just don't, I can't get down with fucking skating bank to things. People, <laughs> people crush it at that. I don't know. I guess maybe this sounds lame, but at the end of the day, I just want to like, always be doing stuff that requires uh, ollieing. I'm not, I'm not trying to rely on the spot to do the work for me. It's not like a cop-out in any way because at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to skate for as long as they can, but that's just me. Like It's more admirable, man. I'm just like, let's just, I'm a street skater, so let's just skate street all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yo, when did, what year did you like turn pro? I think it was, I turned pro for Mad Circle. I think that was 98 or 99. 98. Wow. Dude. Okay. So, yeah. It was a couple 20 years plus. ago. 20 <laughs> plus. So, yeah, 20 plus years, but Oververt came out in 2014. And I I just remember as a fan, every time, like, in the later half of your career, when you'd have a new part come out, I'd be like, oh, is this going to be the part where he slows down or totally. gets less gnar or falls off? But, yo, you never did. It was crazy. You just, like, retired and like your last stuff you put out was just as gnarly as like your early days is just mind blowing and inspiring. Like awesome. You were pro before we even started skating. And then <laughs> I'm complaining about being sore and you're still like 180 nose grinding, huge rails. It's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, thank you. <laughs> Mad thing. <clears throat> so what's keeping you busy these days? And by these days, I mean, pre pandemic. Pre-pandemic. I mean, since, since, since retirement, <laughs> yeah. You said you mentioned you're working at Adidas now. What's a, what's a day in the life like for Cairo these days? Yeah, um, pre-pandemic, day in the life. So I've been at Adidas working there for four years in a, a bunch of different capacities. Like I used to help out with like events, like doing tours and stuff. And then I started running the social media for a couple of years. And then now uh, I manage digital, which is like work with a, a bunch of people that work at the brand that don't des- necessarily do skateboarding, but I'm like the representative f- 
for our skateboarding category to make sure like the website stuff is in line with everything that we're working on. So um, yeah, I, it, my title would be a digital manager. <laughs> Sick, yo. I don't know. I wake up in the mornings like if it's uh, if we're clear of COVID on a work day, I'll wake up. I'll go skate in the mornings because especially during like spring to fall, the sun's up pretty early here in Portland. Um, I'll try to go skate for an hour or so at a skate park or something like that before work, get to work and do that nine to five and then uh, skate on the weekends. I try to like link up with Silas, uh, Nikkel and this dude Tristan and this other dude Buck Crumbs or Ryan. <laughs> yeah, we try to skate in the streets whenever uh, the weekend times come up. That's sick, man. Still trying to, not, I'm not trying to, I had this like uh, aspiration to film a video part this year, like Chico dropped that part and I was like, oh, that's yeah, really yeah. cool. And like I talked to Paul, uh, Paul Shire a lot. He works over to Adidas as well. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to film a video part. And I'm like, damn. to me, I like, to your, your point, like there's like, I have ideas in my head. And I'm like, I'm down to get broke off on this. Like everything <laughs> that I'm thinking about is something to get broke off on. Yeah. Cause I don't want to do, I don't want to come out with that sog part because the <laughs> yeah. soggy parts are, you're just like, Oh, I want to remember you for this. I don't want to remember you for that because we always remember the most recent thing, yeah. which yeah. is a tragedy. Cause like, I mean, that's just like history. You can do general. it. It so. might just take a little bit longer. You have to like dedicate two weeks to each clip for like, yeah, for days. Time. Cause I don't like have that like ability to just skate and kick it and skate yeah. and kick it. <laughs> through the day you know like a session each day is six hours seven hours long doesn't mean you're yeah. skating that whole time but yeah. I, I no. don't have that time now <laughs> and if you skate for six hours how many days in a row can you do that yeah for your dust totally the cairo retirement parts just so fucking gnarly yeah <laughs> the gnarliest one yet kickflip wallenberg <laughs> fucking just bring it back just like i gotta get it <laughs> so hopefully when this airs we'll be clear of the covid crisis what are you most looking forward to once this is all said and done most looking forward to just seeing the smiles on everyone like friends families and people i don't even know like that there's like a sigh of relief and like the the burden of seeing uh of staying in your house is off their shoulders and then more personally just being able to skate with the homies and not feel bad like like i feel bad when i'm i like wake up and today I like rode my bike to skate, um, just like little parking garage because it's raining out here. But like, I don't want to feel shameful because I'm out skating. Like there's nobody around at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know like I'm a definite huge advocate for like staying the fuck home. But like I rode my bike through a street that had nobody on there. And yes, I realized it's thankfully because everyone else is staying at home. And I went to a skate spot by myself. Like, I'll be stoked not to have that shame because yeah. I even do it. Like when I see on Instagram, I'm like, what the fuck? The homie's out skating. Why? Why are yeah. you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like some of those clips that I see on Instagram, I'm tripping because they're hanging out with a handful of people. I'm like, oh, because we touched on a little bit like the selfie filming right now. I feel like it's no holes barred right now. It's all good. You're, <laughs> you're, you're filming yourself skating in your backyard. You're just trying to stay sane. Mm hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to everyone being less on edge and, and uh, probably just like the world as a whole starting to mend itself because the economy is about to be fucked yeah. or is fucked. Yep. It's rough. But everyone's going to persevere. 
You're still a skate rat, eh? Fucking biking to a, an underground garage by yourself to skate. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's epic. It's funny, like, growing up, I'd see, you know, you, you look at the magazines and see all the photographers, and I'd, I'd be like, oh, Dave Swift, he's, he's, like, definitely older than me, or, like, Grant Britton. And I was tripping. I'm like, as I got older, too, obviously, they're, like, the age difference remains the same, but I'm like, whoa, these guys are pretty old, and they're still in skating, and... Now that I'm, I'm 43 now, and I'm like, oh, you are those people. Like, skating is going to be with you forever. <laughs> yeah. The first thing you think about is skating. When you go to, when, whenever I'm in a new city, everything is skate first. Of course. Yeah. I don't think that's ever going to change. Yeah, so I think about everything that I'm doing now, everything that I've done just leads, leads into the next step of how do I stay uh, within skateboarding in some form or fashion and continue to scratch that itch because I, I'm sure you guys have had friends that have just dipped out of skating. I, I remember I had an old roommate. He's like, I'm quitting. And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm quitting. I'm never skating again. And to this day, I don't, I don't speak to him anymore, but to this day, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he just like, and I, I, I'd spoken to him maybe five or six years following that, but like, I don't think he ever picked up a board again. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you turn your back on the the one thing that gave you this family mm-hmm. and gave you this feeling that's you can't get the same feeling from anything else, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm that I'm that old I'm that old person now. There's someone else that's in their 20s, like, yo, that Cairo guy's old as fuck. He's still skating. Crazy. I'll never <laughs> skate that long. <laughs> and I hope they're wrong because I hope they're just skating till like fuck till the end of times. Yeah, no, it's definitely inspiration. I don't think it's gonna turn anyone off. Um, so while we are in this crisis, do you have any movie, TV show, book, or podcast recommendations for the people? It's funny. We haven't, we've been talking to a bunch, my wife and I have been talking to a bunch of people about different movies and oddly enough, like we're not really watching that many movies, but we did last night start watching that, uh, Tiger King. Oh yeah. That shit I'm is crazy. Three episodes in. It's insane, dude. Yeah. Um, that, yo, that she fed him level. to the tigers, man. Yo, 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 yeah. No spoilers. I haven't started it yet. Next right. level. That thing is next level. Um, I never knew that that like whole underground world even existed, but it's twisted. Dude, I have one word for you and I can safely say it cause I lived there for three to five ish years. Uh, Florida. Yeah. This I shit don't is like crazy. We've spent lots of time in Miami, but like Florida's a big place, man. I don't need to see the rest. I don't. Think. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're in Miami <laughs> proper and like South Beach and all that stuff, yeah. and like just hanging the right people, that's not Florida. But Miami as a yeah. as a larger city, that's Florida too. Like yeah. Florida's wild. I'm sure everyone's caught up on their Westworld. Everyone's caught up on. Uh, oh, there's an old classic. Deadwood's a really good one. That's a good TV show. It's like two or three uh, seasons long. That one was good. Get you sparked to drink some whiskey. Yeah, read Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. He wrote All the Pretty Horses, but Blood Meridian's amazing. He wrote The Road. Oh, sick. That author is amazing. And then uh, shout-outs to the plug on the Peloton app because I've been using the Peloton app a lot and just doing workouts. (laughs) Just doing workouts at the house feeling pretty jock but it's it's all good just to remain sane and there's there's all kinds of i feel like i I saw something on instagram like lululemon's doing free yoga like right now there's no shame in your in your fitness game do some yoga do some meditation like maintain stay sane so that when you get out there in the street skateboarding you don't focus your board the first day yeah (laughs) 
for sure. Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, it's an honor to be brought to you by Real Skateboards. Real and Cairo are working on a special reissue of Cairo's classic Hammerheads graphic, with a portion of the proceeds going directly to the Ben Ramers Foundation. To help fund the work they are doing to destigmatize the conversation of mental health and skateboarding and suicide prevention. Especially in times like these, make sure you reach out to your friends and make sure they're good. Those boards are coming in a few months, so if you're looking for that new iShod or K-Walks board to keep the sessions at your house cracking, hit up the Source and Free Rides online shops. They've got you covered. Yay! All right, Cairo, you know what time it is. <laughs> Go rapid fire with the ghost, you dig? <laughs> yes, okay. Favorite skater? Toss up between Rick Howard and Mike Carroll. Favorite video? Questionable or snuff? Favorite video part? I'll just go with uh, Pat Duffy and Questionable. Oof, or fuck, maybe, dude. <laughs> I'll dig really. Sorry, I got to add one more thing in there and go super old school. Like any of those uh, OG Frankie Hill video parts where he's grabbing the rail on the top and the bottom and board sliding double kink rails and then lands and picks up the dirt and throws it. That shit. <laughs> that shit was inspirational. That dude went for it. Favorite style? Rick Howard, for sure. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Shit. I guess I'll just go with Rick Howard because uh, I was rocked khakis because he was rocked them back in the day. <laughs> big Rick Howard fan over here. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth. Maybe like a Shane or an Ashad. I get, I'd go with Ashad because I see Ashad doing everything. He fucks with everything. He's a mm -hmm. beast. Favorite trick? Nolly kickflips or a nose grind. Hardest trick for you? Uh, hard flips. Especially make them look legit. Most illegal trick? I don't know. Grabbing your, touching your board, maybe putting your foot on the ground or like double flipping your board, which, yeah, uh, that's all one trick. It's all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite clip you've ever gotten? This Ollie I did in Miami with, uh, I think Anthony Clarival filmed it. Fred Gall was there. Yeah, Fred Gall was there. It was over this fence, like Ollie up on this like skinny ledge. And then Ollie, this gap over this like eight, eight foot fence and then land yeah was it the was it the one that was like your second last trick in your four-on-one profiles yeah okay yeah, yeah that thing looks scary as hell gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed dude you know enzo catella yeah yeah uh, kick flipped that big 20 oh yeah, yeah. Oh. he basically did it first try so like we were there his first attempt he just wanted to see how, how much speed he needed to clear it so he kick flipped it and like kicked the board out just to get it out of the way. And yeah. then uh, he just did it. Next try. Wow. It was fucked. It was insane. I've never seen anyone jump something so big <laughs> so easily. I was like, all right, cool. Like that. <laughs> That's how it's done, I guess. What's the one trick that got away? I guess you could say like the Wallenberg kickflip. And then for me personally, I never even tried it, but like finding a hubba in the wild that I could back nose blunt. Oh, true. Damn, you never got one, eh? On a hubba? No, just on the outledge. What's the biggest bunt you've ever witnessed? Maybe just Ryan Lay Sessions. He's like the homie, but like, <laughs> dude, when, when we all rode for Enjoy, Ryan had this way of like, he just had in his mind like a spot to go to that was definitely on a different wavelength than the rest of the trip, uh, the rest of the team. 
and uh, he'd bring the filmer with him and you just didn't know when he'd come back. I mean, he probably got most <laughs> of his tricks, so it's not a, not a true bunt, but like definitely uh, throwing a wrench in the program at times. So I felt like that, that kind of qualified as a bunt. <laughs> Love you, Ryan. <laughs> hey, shouts to Ryan. He came on early in, in our yeah. podcasting days. The he's, homie. He's the, yeah, he's awesome. What's the last new trick you learned? Kickflip frontside 5-0 grind. Sick. Dream job after skating. I'm living it right now. Yeah. There's, there is no after skating. This is it. Oh, there you go. Love Dude, it. Dude, that's dope. It. Favorite local brand? Uh, Pyramid Country. I'm, I'm rocking it. The uh, Jackson and that whole crew, like, uh, yeah, that whole team's sick. Favorite local skater? True local? Fucking Bledsoe. Tyler Bledsoe, dude. The Resurrection, he's back. It's so sick. Anytime I see a fucking Bledsoe clip. Like, he he skated that spot here in in Portland that everyone skates called Magic 5. He fucked that place up. That's how you skate. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? Audio. (laughs) No disrespect. I just just wish I could have just jumped straight to Lakai and not, like, fuck those dudes over and ridden for audio for eight months. So it's like on both ends, but yeah, fast track me to Lakai, my man. (laughs) Favorite teammate ever? Paul Sharp. Worst teammate ever? John Newport. OG John Newport. He could be a handful. We did we did this uh, two month long pop war trip. I'm fucking up the rapid fire. Sorry guys. Everyone had fucking like their minds were toasted, and it was the middle of the trip, and John Newport was saying all his fucking shit. Rob, we had missed our train in like Bulgaria or something. So we were waiting eight hours for the next train or maybe it was Romania. Rob G comes back with all the food from McDonald's because everyone had to wait and watch their bags. And um, Newport's like, yo, Rob, where's my fucking burger? And Rob, I, I, was even, I wasn't even there because I was trying to get us tickets. But I can imagine it. You know, when someone describes it to you, you can visualize the movie in your head. Rob yeah. G apparently pulled out the burger Everything went all matrix and slow-mo and he threw it at Newport, hits his fucking chest and it's like, Poof. oh, <laughs> and then like no one talked to him on that trip for, for a few days after that. And I remember like we were on the train, he was yelling to me and I started punching the wall like, I'm going to fucking come in there and fucking beat the shit out of you. <laughs> he's just crazy, but he's like the best. He actually has coronavirus right now, but he's on the oh, mend. Shit. No. Yeah. He's on the mend. And I love him now. He's got the biggest heart, but he is truly one of the dirts. <laughs> well, uh, get well soon, John Newport. Yeah, big love to Newport. But yeah, he would be worst teammate through the history of times. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Worst company. Energy drinks. Get the fuck out. <laughs> energy drink to skate. <laughs> but you do need money, so I get that. I understand. But get the yeah. fuck out anyway. <laughs> worst trend. It's kind of died out maybe. But all that power sliding Leo Val shit, I'm not with it. Like I've heard, like Leo's a fucking really good skater, and I get that he's got like a, a concept behind that. But concept mm-hmm. skateboarding, move on. Yep. Just skate. Be true. <laughs> Worst style. Oh man. <laughs> um, I'll just throw out a Josiah Gatlin because he double flipped my ass out of that fucking game of skate at the Barrett. Oh. <laughs> I hate double flips. He hit Dude. me over the head with every double flip. I was like, you're going to come at me with that dog? Yeah. Wow. wow. All right. Cool. 
And then, uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Jeez. That's so dusty. Last person you want on the sesh. This is a twofer. It'd probably be like OG Cody Mack, because I remember we did a pop board trip, and he just fucking skate park billied it and just did every trick and <laughs> fucked up the demo. Everyone was like, pop board sucks. Fuck you guys. Cody's the best. <laughs> I was like, ouch. Newport wow. was so pissed. I think he even broke a ramp that day. Wow. Like freaked out and like put a hole in the ramp. And then other person, maybe like the chief, Jamie Thomas. Oh, 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 what? And that, that goes oh, back to like... Two for uh, one shots. Yeah, no, I think that goes back to um, when I was trying to figure out my next sponsor. I had talked to Jamie Thomas about maybe getting on zero. And so I went on this wow. trip to Arizona with Jamie and Eric Ellington. And just like a lot of the things that... And Jamie's one of those people that can draw out the best out of every skater, but I wasn't, I wasn't down. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, I wasn't good with it. Like, Hey, maybe do this or maybe try that or maybe do that again. I'm like, ah, like he's, he's had a whole empire. He's like been able yeah. to do that with so many skaters. But I think that kind of uh, approach did me wrong. I was like, nah, we're good. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Legends collide, yo. <laughs> Serious. But he, dude. Impeccable flat ground game. Jamie has had and still has like a fucking dope ass career. When he dropped that last uh, interview, I was stoked. He came correct, mm-hmm. like legit tricks. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like. Can't stop, won't stop. The yeah. chief. Yeah, he's addicted. He's got a problem. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up our interview with the legend <laughs> Cairo Foster. Man, thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you guys so much. Thank you both. It's it's been a pleasure. I'm stoked we can make this happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Give the people a little something to uh, escape this pandemic with. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we're going to be past the pandemic. Trust. It's going to happen. And we're going to look back and be like, that shit was crazy. But we're all just skating now. I'll bring us all a little bit closer together. man. Yep. For sure. Thank you, guys. Welcome back to the post office. Make sure to get your emails and voice notes in to thebuntlive at gmail.com. Ghost, who we got up first? You've got mail. Got a voice note from the homie Mark Berry in the Bunt Fantasy Football League. Let's take a listen, bro. What up, Bunt boys? Mark Berry here, a.k.a. Bunt Listener League First Loser. Season 11. Holy shit. Thank you, guys. Seriously need this content right now. In the true spirit of the show, I got a sports and skate question for you. Sports, I mean, all we got right now is the NFL draft right around the corner. I don't know. Maybe it's already happened by the time this posts, but who's your favorite sleeper in the NFL draft? Maybe not a deep sleeper, but somebody that's just not getting the hype that you think they deserve my guy that i'm loving and most draft experts don't even have him as a top five running back clyde edwards hilaire lsu that guy straight fucking bitch slapped alabama and nobody does that i think he caught something like 50 passes from burrow too so he's versatile shorter dude but just runs like a bowling ball reminds me a lot 
of Maurice Jones-Drew. If y'all been playing fantasy long enough, you remember what a beast that guy was in his prime. I can see him hanging around till late second round. Kansas City Chiefs swoop him up. Would be a perfect fit with Andy Reid. You know our boy Laos just jizzed his pants here and that. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man, book it. Dude's gonna be a stud. Skate question. Well, I guess it's kind of more of a request than a question. Your guys' video part reviews from former guests on the pod. I would love it if you did a review on Caswell Berry, not just because we have the same last name, but his part in the tilt mode video, Man Down. That was really my introduction to how much of a savage Caswell is. And I think he's got a couple solid tranny clips in there. Maybe he's a contender to hit the 90s. I don't know. That is my humble request. Keep crushing it, fellas. Stay healthy. Mark, seems like you busted out your crystal ball for that one. Looked like you were inside Andy Reid's head. Not only did they take your boy, but it was in the first round. Couldn't even wait for the second. Number one RB off the board, man. Seems like he knows what he's talking about. A little bit more college ball knowledge than us, huh? Yeah, too bad he took that L in the finals of our league, man. Knowledge didn't pay <laughs> off that much. Shit. Mark's out here looking for some deep sleepers. Obviously, the draft has passed. This knowledge that we don't even have would be useless anyhow, man. A couple picks that we did like. I was feeling the Jalen Hurts pick by the Eagles. A lot of Eagles fans, not a huge fan of that pick. They got their boy Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz has shown year in and year out that he ain't got what it takes to last the whole season. So why be mad at yourselves getting a nice little quarterback prospect? Yeah, I'm not mad at that at all. That's different than the Aaron Rodgers situation. I have no sleepers whatsoever because I don't watch college football at all. As far as Caswell Berry goes, I'm sure we can accommodate that, man. We'll take, we'll watch all his parts. I would personally want to do Bag of Suck, but we'll get we'll get a Caswell part reviewed real quick. All right, next up we got an email from Willie G. Good day, bunt cunts. It's Willie G from Down Under. Longtime listener, third time emailer. Glad that you guys are back for some of the most needed content during these cray cray times. Was thinking the other day how much I was influenced growing up by the tour videos, mainly from Girl and Chocolate and Four Star. Harshiro Bard and Super Champion Fun Zone up there with the personal faves. Wanted to hear what your favorites are. Also heard that homie that hollered in last week could nose many Nolly Trey. Well, motherfuckers, since we're on the topic, your boy Willie G can do that shit too. Anyway, enough of that self-promotion bullshit. Thanks for keeping the wheels moving. Peace. Okay, Willie G. Damn. Damn, everybody's got that trick, huh? <laughs> Did you see the homie sent us the clip of him doing that, though? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Verified. He can nose many Nolly Trey. Nice. As far as what are our favorite tour videos, I know it's not exactly what you're looking for, but I always loved the Europe videos when I was a kid. Mostly contest footy, but it was it was insane, man. Definitely blew my mind as a kid, and I feel like they mixed in a little bit of street every now and then, right? Yeah, those were the best, man. Um, off the top of my head, I'll go with the Hot Chocolate Tour. I remember downloading that on Kaza or whatever, and would watch that religiously and i remember mark johnson did like burial heel manny that like curb manny that goes down and then flat i think when he did that thing where you go you kind of go weightless when you come off the curb and like he would shift his feet a little bit to the bolts and i remember always trying to mimic that uh, justin eldridge went off in that that was a fun video 
All right, next up, we got an email from Yadig. Yo, what is your opinion on doing more than three tricks on the same obstacle in a video part? For example, Ronnie Krieger and Minik Matty on that ledge, backtail variations. And what do you think are the best more than three tricks on the same thing in a part? Yadiggy? Damn, bro, how much fucking research do you want us to do? Watch every skate video part? For fuck's sake. <laughs> What? You're the skate nerd. He thinks you have the knowledge, man. I'm, this one's easy, though, just off the top of my head, because it's something that we both watched and reviewed lately. Jerry Sue on the fucking blue rail, like, absolutely shut it down. That was dumb clean. And yes, for sure, one of... I think that one's kind of underrated. Mm -hmm. It's not the first one that comes to mind. Uh, my favorite one, and maybe if I thought about it longer, I'd come up with a different one, but... The one that stands out to me the most and that is just pure banging is P-Rod in forecast. He does three different spots in a row to end his part. He does that launch ramp to like flat thing. He does a bunch of shit, nollie hard, shifty flip, fuck, switch burial heel, I think. Can't remember all of them. And then he hits the that classic blue rail, I forget what it's called, Silmar or something. He does fakie 5-0, nollie heel crook, Damn. big spin heel board. Uh, and then he hits that classic set to end it. Switch hard flip, inward heel, nollie backside flip. So steezy. That was in his first interview in Skateboard Mag with the Nikes. Switch burial heels that and then ends his part with switch inward heel. Go watch P-Rod and Forecast again. It's like the last minute of his part is three spots in a row with multiple clips. And it's so fucking crispy. Damn, bro, you had an answer easy. I thought you were going to have a tough time answering that or something, the way you came at him. <laughs> well, I mean, you had like the most bold answer ready. Yeah, I don't know. That probably is the best one ever, but who knows? I ain't about to scour the web for 10 weeks straight to find the best. Anyways, yeah. well, those are two pretty good options, man. Oh, shit, another one's fucking in social withdrawal, Cody Brown, the way he puts Ooh. a beating on CBC, man. He fucked. Almost forgot. Yeah. Respect. K-O-T-Y Brown. Social withdrawal on YouTube. Check it out. Check his enders. Of some dope shit. And then Wade also in his KO video part. Nolly shove back 5-0. Switch back Smith and Nolly flip crook. The blue dumpster off the ledge. Oh, yeah. That was Damn. clean. All right. Next up, we have an email from Luca Andermatt. What's up, Bump Boys? Long-time listener, first-time emailer. If I have a rough day, I go back to your old episodes and listen to the Mitch B interview. My favorite dude to listen to. I bet this dude has a lot more shit to tell. I don't want to give Frodo too much shine, but can we at least get him out on the streets and do a segment with the infamous skate midget? Keep it up, boys. Much love from Switzerland. Can you believe that, man? Mitch B getting fucking fans out in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to find a way to incorporate the goat, Mitch Barrett, into the pot a little bit more, man. But I think we got something planned anyways. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of love for Mitch this past couple weeks. I don't know if probably because Will re-sparked everyone's memory on how legendary Mitch is. If you haven't and you're bored in this pandemic, go back to season two or three. I forget which one. Uh, the Mitch interview is one of our favorites of all time but yeah we'll, we'll figure out a way to get mitch more involved in the show i mean he we get him to submit questions to the post office all the time just for shits and giggles all the time <laughs> remember when he was doing it when he was driving for a little bit yeah honking at people mid question all right next up we got an email from john 
Lorkin. What's up, Bunt guys? Just emailing from work. Fucking with the pod hard now. I got some headphones and some nice social distance from my boss and annoying coworkers in these COVID times. Just wondering if they closed skate parks in your neck of the woods. They closed all skate parks in Australia. So been making some obstacles and taking them to some low key spots to keep the session alive. My question, who is your favorite Aussie skater past and present? Might as well finish with a joke. You heard of an Australian kiss? It's like a French kiss, except down under, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, fast, past. Uh, Shane Cross and Kale Nusk. That's my top two. Yeah, for my OG pick, I'm going Dustin Dolan, man. Can't go wrong. Oh, also Dennis Durant. Oh, shit. Big shouts. That could be a long list. Big shouts to Dennis Durant. There's crazy talent out of Australia. And of course, show love to the ultimate legend, Matt Mumford. For present rippers, there's so many. Obviously, like the Shanes and shit like that. But, oh, fuck. We almost forgot Chima as well. Our boy, two-time Bunt alumni. That's present. Shout out to Jack O'Grady. Absolute ripper. And then one guy who's kind of more slept on a little bit, but I wish he kind of made it bigger in the mainstream because I love his trick selection and style. But Alex Lawton is fucking ridiculous, man. He's he's clean as fuck. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Dono, but everyone out there, go look up Alex Lawton. Check out his New World Element part. Straight hams. I'm going to have to go with two Bunt alumni guys. Gabbers, obviously. Fucking living legend. Oh, shit. Of course. Fucking NAR score up around 15. <laughs> we ever reviewed one of his parts. Yeah. And then the good homie Sammy Winter, man. Holy shit. Yeah, man. There's, there's, it's fucked how many good skaters come out of Australia and how many are just in Australia that people don't even know about. All right. Next up, we got an email from the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> what the fuck? Sounds like it's going to get loose, man. What's up, Bunk Gang? It's me, the ghost of Christmas past, and Christmas just came early. Normally, I would take you on a fucked up trip through the past to expose you to your greed, but you have all shown nothing but generosity by giving the people exactly what they want during these trying times. Is this guy talking about the greed? Expose our greed, for Christ's sake. <laughs> But instead, I'm going to travel back in time to build you the ultimate box of pain as a token of my gratitude and let you guys make the picks. So what's it going to be? One deck, one pair of shoes, one clothing item of your choice from any year in the history of skating. To sweeten the deal, the big homie, the ghost of Christmas yet to come will chip in one skate-related item from the future too. You know I'm already in the 2023 burnt barn burner edition van slip-on pros keeping the nar blade sharp with no heel bruises thanks to that hyper cush insult you get me jesus christ that was a mouthful the hell was that so we're building our perfect box one deck one pair of shoes and one clothing item from any year in skate history this man wants to expose us to our greed eh motherfucker <laughs> I don't even know why this email is so bad that you couldn't put a name on it. Like, one deck, I'm going to have to go with Polar. Y'all at the Hallberg, you know, 8375, perfect size for me. That's the present. Pair of shoes, <laughs> I don't get too tech. It's Vans Classic, Skate Highs, all white. And clothing item, fuck man, what was the clothing item? Maybe some fucking 
Maybe my brand new Bunt Worldwide hat that we're going to be dropping in the summer. Yeah. It's going to be on the website. Yeah. I dig that. For my pair of shoes, I'm going to go with the P-Rod 2s, black and gold, uh, suede. Those shits were kind of like tanks on your feet, but once you got them worked in, I felt like I could jump off a building and not get a heel bruise. Had some good times in those. One deck. Fuck, that's a tough one. Maybe the Muska Sunboard. Oh, classic. I never I never skated one. Phil had one, and I was jealous. So I don't even know if it would be to skate. More of like a wall thing, but can't go wrong with that one. And then clothing item. Go with the, the classic bunt hoodie we dropped, man. A few years back, the black one with our logo on the back. I can't think of anything else. I'm sorry. It's a boring answer. <clears throat> and then one thing from the future, uh, maybe like a Bunt Vans collab shoe. Shit. Damn, so you're going to be rocking around with two pairs of kicks, eh? Oh, hell yeah. I like it. Box, yeah. So where's my box, fool? Whatever your fucking name is. I didn't pick an item from the future yet. I think mine would be a copy of the Bunt video, to be honest with you. Just to make sure that it comes out, you know? <laughs> yeah, shit. All right, next up, we got an email from Yuri. Pat Celia. What's up, Bunt? Longtime listener, first time emailer here. Hope you're staying safe out there. Gotta wait a bit before we can get back into these streets. Got a question for you. What do you think about skating with headphones? Your boy Feedback Ted seems to be extremely opposed to it. I obviously wouldn't ever film or skate around my homies with my headphones in, but if I show up to the skate park by myself and there's three other randoms who can barely skate, whom I don't know. I don't see a problem with putting my headphones in and enjoying some music while I skate. Am I a kook? I need your expert opinion, boys. Thanks, Yuri. I've never skated with my headphones in. I've never been a big fan of it. I also rarely skate by myself. I mean, like the quarantine has been the first time I've really actually skated by myself since I was like a teenager probably. So I've never encountered that, but I'd never skate in headphones. So like not in the ghost for me. I skate by myself a lot. I've definitely skated with headphones a lot. Sometimes I'll put one in, have a podcast in, but um, I slammed one time like a couple of years ago with my headphones in and I just decided to stop. I was just like, I think I need to be more focused, whether it was the headphones that made me slam or not. I was just like, yo, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Wait, I know Wade always would call me out back in the day. He'd be like, hey, man, like join the session. And I'd be like, fuck off, Hebs. There's a time and place, I think. Like you said, if you show up and there's some random dudes like, so I'd go to Ashbridge's by myself a lot. If I don't plan to meet anyone there, like I'll just skate in the back corner on the little ledge with my headphones in for a couple hours and go home, you know, like, so there's a time and place. If you're with your boys, it's kind of weird to just like, isolate yourself but to each their own you're not a kook all right y'all that's gonna wrap up this week's post office make sure to get your emails and voice notes into the bunt live at gmail.com welcome back to the rundown the skateboard world source for sports and the moment you've all been waiting for the nfl draft popped off last week some entertainment but honestly man it wasn't that entertaining <laughs> yeah i was all excited like yeah finally something to watch and then i texted you like two picks in and i'm like bro i'm asleep i'm done with this i think i watched that whack ass show on netflix too hot to handle or whatever oh my god <laughs> 
Yeah, even Roger Goodell looked bored out of his goddamn mind. It was slow. It wasn't as many trades as most people predicted. Didn't get too wild. Obviously, first things first, the Bengals got their man, Joe Burrow. How do you think it's going to work out? I think it's going to be dope, man. I'm excited. I haven't seen that much hype around a dude in a while, so I'm pumped to see. I would love to see the Bengals do good, man. Um, I, I like that team for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I like Tigers, but go Bengals. <laughs> I saw a funny interview with Joe Burrow afterwards and they kept asking him awkward questions about Andy Dalton like have you talked to Andy Dalton so far do you expect Andy Dalton to be with the team are you willing to work with Andy Dalton and he's like man I've literally been in the NFL for like four hours like I've met Andy Dalton yes that's it that's all I can say about him but Joe Burrow man went from what would have been probably a third or fourth round pick and absolutely skyrocketed to number one overall with the best season you could probably ever have. So huge expectations. He's had one incredible season. High risk, high reward, I think. Yeah, hopefully you can keep that momentum going. Two wide receivers that we both liked going into this draft. I thought they'd end up on a combination of the Raiders, the Eagles, and the Jets. But the Cowboys go ahead and get their man C.D. Lamb. I think they were just preventing the Eagles from getting him. And the Broncos selecting Jerry Judy. Which receiver would you rather own in fantasy? It's a good question. We got the better quarterback, but he's got more weapons to like fight for targets with for CeeDee Lamb in Dallas. And then we got the second-year quarterback in Denver uh, and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. I have no idea. That's a tough one. That's really tough. I'd maybe roll the dice and see, because there's also Gallup in Dallas, see if uh, Jerry Judy can pop off. I might I might lean Denver out. It's a nice choice. I think we can both agree that if either of them went to the Eagles, they'd be a steal, man. Oh, hell yeah. Speaking of the Eagles, in a move that nobody expected, when you have a quarterback like Carson Wentz, and for the Packers, you have a franchise quarterback, one of the all-time greats, Aaron Rodgers. They both went ahead and drafted quarterbacks. I said I liked it for the Eagles. You agreed. How much of a disrespectful move is this towards Carson Wentz and towards Aaron Rodgers? Bro, for Carson, I don't see that as disrespect. I mean, I could see them being pissed because they definitely needed a receiver. And there's so many elite receivers in this draft. But yeah, Dallas kind of snaked them there. And yo, we've seen Nick Foles prove the importance of a backup quarterback, man. So I don't think they should be too bummed in Philly. But Aaron Rodgers, man, you're in the AFC Championship, or sorry, NFC Championship. You did get smoked, but you're one game away from the Super Bowl. You know, you're 35, 36 years old. You'd think that getting a wide receiver too is your main priority to help Devontae Adams, help Rodgers, help the whole team. I, I couldn't believe that, man. I would be fucking punching a hole in the wall if I'm Aaron Rodgers. And that whole team, really, like, it's not just Aaron. It's like the whole team wants to get better. Like, what the fuck are you getting? Get a backup quarterback two years from now, you know? Like, I just, that's a head scratcher to me, man. I would be furious if I'm Rodgers. I think they both have a right to be furious. Obviously, it's a little bit easier to explain to Carson why they went out and got hurt. But Aaron Rodgers, man, you got to feel for the guy. With Carson, it's because he's young. You're like, he doesn't get it. Like, yo, I'm still entering my prime. Rodgers is on the backside of his career. So I can see why Carson's pissed. But man, like you've shown year in, year out that you need a backup. Speaking of quarterbacks, 
reports coming out of the Saints where they once had the best backup quarter in the league, Teddy Bridgewater, who ended up getting paid off by the Carolina Panthers, are now looking to add another high-caliber backup quarterback, Jameis Winston. I think this says a lot about the maturity of Jameis Winston, man. Can anyone honestly say they weren't entertained every week by Jameis last year? Like, I'm bummed he's gone into a backup role. I'm obviously, whatever, happy he has a job, but I was hoping he'd go somewhere where he could play right away. You know, Jacksonville, Patriots, fucking you name it. I was saying Pittsburgh because Big Ben's at the tail end of his career. Uh, I guess Drew Brees is too, but it is kind of sad to see him taking a backup role after the dust settled. But I also get the football argument that he's too loose. You know, maybe a backup role is better suited for him now this might be the perfect spot what a better place to learn than with sean payton and drew Brees. yeah but speaking of quarterbacks there's only one left to sign and that's our man cam superman newton i don't know why the jacksonville jaguars haven't signed him and honestly i really hope that the new england patriots do sign him yeah man it's it's crazy the fall from grace man but there's a long time to go before the season starts i'm hoping he gets a nice deal like maybe people are just waiting till they can actually see him you know maybe when some of this covid shit passes a bit more and they can get their doctors in in the door because obviously i think that's just the biggest holdup. like that was why people were speculating Tua might drop it's just getting the doctors to see these people so hopefully cam lands somewhere dope speaking of the patriots my main man rob gronkowski announces he's coming out of retirement but for one reason only and that's to play with the goat tom brady administers a trade rather quickly a fourth round pick going to new england and the greatest tight end to ever walk the face of the earth rob gronkowski on his way down to tampa bay to join an already stacked team it's got to be super bowl or bust down there in tampa and it's a lot different than what they were dealing with last year. Have you ordered your jersey yet? That's all I want to know. No, no jersey yet. I can't decide if I... I already got a Gronk one, so I might go Tom Brady this time. <laughs> Sick. Have they figured out if um, Godwin's giving up number 12? Oh, he will. He offered. It's not a gauche, man. <laughs> He'll probably get something nice for it, too. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I mean, we've already said it. Like We were already excited to watch them next season, so this is going to be dope. Gronk only brings happiness and entertainment to the NFL and its fans, so I'm stoked as fuck, yo. You know exactly where we're going now. We're going to do a little review on episodes three and four of the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Have you ever in your life heard of a 48-hour vacation mid-season, bro? Never, but I love it. We all know Jordan's the GOAT and the Bulls are like one of the best dynasties of all time in all sports. But man, it's fun. We're, we're a little too young to really take it in. You know, we're like 9, 10, whatever when this shit's happening. This is one of the illest things I've ever seen in Rodman. I already loved him, but he's just even more of a legend in my eyes now. Some teams from this day and age could take note on how to treat some guys who are a little bit different, you know? <laughs> yeah. Trying to jam a square peg in a round hole sometimes. Just look at what Phil Jackson and Jordan were doing. But Jordan predicting that the man wouldn't be back in 48 hours was actually the best. And having to go <laughs> knock on his door himself and then brings him to practice and he's in his goddamn pajamas, like, doesn't get better. Yeah, it was crazy. They left out the part that him and Carmen Electra got married in Vegas. I don't know if it was on that trip, but like, 
I'm guessing it probably was. They got married for like a day or some shit back then. One thing that was kind of weird about this episode, it felt like there was too much bouncing around from different times. Yeah. Rodman was on Detroit, and then it's Rodman as a kid, while Rodman's on the Bulls. It was just a lot to like kind of de-scramble what was going on in some points. Yeah, there was one very confusing montage. It was like they went back to Rodman as a kid, and then they start coming back towards 98, but all of a sudden they they did like a montage of the first repeat, mm-hmm. which was so confusing. And then they went back to the to really go in depth on the first championship. We needed that little Rodman episode though. Of course, man. What a legend. I love the worm, man. It's funny, his interviews present day, everything he did that was super loose back in the day, he kind of like doesn't take it as serious as the other guys talking about it. He's just like, oh yeah, you know, like I was kind of loose. But they understood me, and then Jordan's like getting all cheese, like reliving it. And Phil Jackson is actually the best though, because he just stays zen, zen master at all times. They they won, so like they no one can be too mad. You know what I mean? Now, and Jordan just respected what he would do on the court. He's like, when I can get this guy to lock in, like there's nobody better to have as the third piece on our team. So let's just put up with what we have to put up with. One clip that had me dying was when he's crushing a can of Miller Lite and then hops on that big motorcycle. <laughs> like, this With is unreal TV. Another big subject, I think it was in episode four, the non-handshake by the Detroit Pistons. It was dusty, but they didn't really go into, I think Jordan was taking a lot of shots at the Pistons after they won game three. I think he said some things about the city of Detroit um he said some things about how the pistons you know weren't good champions and he just he took some personal shots so i think that's kind of more of the fuel behind why they didn't shake the hands like you're getting whooped by the guys that you've owned all these years plus jordan talk shit before the game so they didn't really paint the full picture but i still think they should have shaken their hands man like when they flip back to the footage of them of Jordan getting his ass whooped, it was it was crazy. Like they beat him up physically, and then he still stood there after losing the series and shook all their hands and says good luck. You know, so they should have returned the favor. I think. Yeah, he definitely took a beating in those series, but I can't imagine that the Detroit Pistons weren't saying, talking just as much shit as the Bulls were when they were winning. So uh, there's no excuse for that. You just suck it up, shake their hand, whether Larry Bird and the Celtics did it to you or not. Like. It's your chance to prove that you're a better sport. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of understand it on a human emotional level, or it's like if you're five years older than your little brother and one day he finally beats your ass, you're not exactly going to want to be like, oh, like sick, congrats, <laughs> like, you know? So you can kind of put yourself in their shoes, but fuck, man, Jordan gave them the respect. So I don't know. Fuck the Pistons. The sad part is that Isaiah Thomas is still out here defending himself. Like, yeah. it's super easy to just take the high road. You're somebody that's in the media all the time. Like, don't you want to just get it over with? He's a little two-faced about it, man. He still to this day says, oh, we don't have any grudges against them, but we'll like take any opportunity to take subtle shots. Like if you just YouTube like Isaiah Thomas, Bulls, you there's such a deep rabbit hole you can go in finding stuff scotty pippen just like i think isaiah will do stuff like say lebron's the goat you know even though most people that age category know and then scotty pippen will come back because jordan doesn't really speak on these things 
So Scotty mm-hmm. will like be on the jump and then be like, anything Isaiah Thomas says is bullshit. Like I just <laughs> love the back and forth. These guys are in their fifties now. Like it's awesome. So you almost don't want them to squash it, man. Let it linger. And towards the end of episode four, we see Jordan get his first title, taking out Detroit and then beating Magic in the finals. Scotty Pippen's Dion Magic was a thing of beauty. Woo. God damn, man. I wish we could see Scotty these days. Yo, hybrid. Everyone wants those like versatile players that can defend. You know what I'm saying? Draymond Green type dudes. He was Draymond Green, but 6'8 and a better shooter. Or 6'9, I think. Just insane. A thing of beauty. And then, like you were saying before we started recording, the way he lost so gracefully. It's like, where was that from the Pistons? You know, Magic Johnson's one of the illest dudes of all time. Dude, to have that moment in the tunnel between Magic and Jordan, Bridget was over here crying while that was going (laughs) down. Waterworks, man. It was a real deal moment and passing of the torch for sure. Yo, I ain't even gonna lie. I got, I didn't cry, but like my eyes watered a little bit. I was like, Is it was getting hot over there? It was crazy, man. And then like his teammates just being like, We wondered if he was even human sometimes. So we were stunned when we saw that emotion. That was crazy, man. Some, some crazy insight. On a scale of one to 10, how high does Jordan look in some of these interviews? <laughs> Uh, he look, He's like at an 11 sometimes. He's on the edibles, man. On uh, Jalen and Jacoby, they were talking about... They, they did some research and found out what he was actually drinking during those interviews and how the glass is always like, one time it'll be full, one time the ice is melted. One, like, you know he's, he's refilling that bad boy. Apparently he's drinking some like $1,400 a bottle tequila that he's like a part owner of. <laughs> of course he is. Fucking goat, so man. Beast. So now we just got to wait till next Monday for episodes five and six. Got a lot left to go here, man. I feel like we've seen and learned a lot already. Real talk, man. This, this shit is makes my week much better. A couple of my group chats, people are, have found the shit leaked one through eight online, but I ain't trying to touch that, man. It's it's nice yeah. to have a, a little Monday night to look forward to, you know what I'm saying, in these whack-ass times. It's also nice to take in the two episodes and be able to digest it before you're on exactly. to the next ones. Because we would just finish this whole thing in three days and then it's gone, you know? like I feel like we're really taking in the info and enjoying it a little bit more, taking our time with it. I love it. Every Monday, every sports podcast we listen to is talking about it. Gives you a whole week to think about it. Obviously, we've both in this Netflix era, you know, a a show comes out that you've been looking forward to. Next thing you know, you watch it in a day and a half, 10 episodes, and it's all a blur. Like Ozark, I'm like, (laughs) with Ozark to you, I was like, yo, what'd you think of season two and three? Like, how sick were those two? like respectively in their own thing and you're like oh, i have no idea man like i just watched all three seasons <laughs> i don't it know was where one, one long started season. and the next ended yeah. so yeah it is, it's very nice to to do it once a week and really take it in same with the bunt man <laughs> yeah a little self-plug was good tell your friends about the bunt you know what i'm saying she yeah really take that shit in once a week wednesdays man <laughs> All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of The Bunt. Catch y'all next week. Hell yeah. Peace, y'all.